came to realize that what started out as a natural disaster became a man-made disaster. We cannot control the natural disaster, but what we can do is control our response. Have you ever wondered whether disasters are actually natural? If so, you're in the right place. Hello and welcome. My name is Jason von Medding. And I am Xenia Chmutina. This is Disasters Deconstructed, a podcast where we examine why disasters really happen. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome back to Disasters Deconstructed. We have something very special in store today. This is the first of a two-part project that we've been undertaking for the past couple of months. And we're returning to the subject of COVID-19, but from a very different and important perspective. We're very excited to be able to feature the voices of children and youth in the Asia-Pacific region in these episodes. Hi, my name is Weihan and I am 15 and from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. My name is Caroline, I'm 21 and I'm from the Solomon Islands. Hi everyone, I'm Celis. I'm a 25 year old, a Hong Konger. Hello, I'm Somi Kipurba and I'm from Bhutan. Hi, uh, I'm Tiloka Yaba and I'm from Sri Lanka. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm 23 and I live in Melbourne. Hello, my name is Aisha. I'm from Pakistan. My name is Mohammad Fawad and uh, I belong to District Chitral of uh, the Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province, Pakistan. The interviews that we're going to be sharing with you all were gathered by an amazing group of young researchers and young fellows for DRR who engaged in policy and participatory action research with youth in their local communities in the Asia Pacific. And the goal was to capture their perspectives and experiences of disasters throughout the region. The project that we were participating in is called Asia Pacific Researchers, Practitioners and Policymakers in Dialogue with Children and Youth. It's funded by the Stockholm Environment Institute and is led by the UN Major Group for Children and Youth and Children and Youth International in partnership with a converged working group, very like the one that we've talked about before on disaster capitalism, and also the Asia Pacific Coalition for School Safety. So we really want to thank all of the partners and participants in the research. And if you're listening and you'd like to learn more about the project, please visit the show notes for a link. And today we will be listening to children and youth in the Asia Pacific discussing their experiences of being impacted by COVID-19. And I think it is the first time on the podcast that we are actually hearing from uh, children and youth. Children and youth lives have changed beyond recognition. I think many of us um, have been realizing that, but perhaps not quite thinking about it. Not only have schools and universities closed, but fundamental life events and experiences have been missed um, for children and youth around the world and in the region. Mm. They have made these sacrifices without revolt or complaint, and yet we don't hear much from children and youth at all. Um, instead, their stories are often told 
for them, if at all. Um, as Deborah Roll says in her latest piece, Beyond the, Beyond the Rainbows, the absence of contributions from children used to COVID-19 policy discussions shows how reluctant those in power are to engage with children and young people as active citizens in their own right. But thanks to the young researchers and young fellows for the RI initiative, we can change this. Yeah, I think it also just reminds me of discussions we've had many times before about who tells the stories, you know, and whose mm -hmm. perspective um, is being brought forward in different narratives and different discourses in literature mm -hmm. or in the media and in society more generally, and how perspectives of those who are facing specific harms because of their identity are often, you know, told for them, right? And so I think, yeah, that, for sure. I think this is a really um, powerful project and the intention is uh, so genuine and amazing and radical. And I, I really uh, love that we could be involved. And so um, in these two episodes, um, we've kind of divided some of the um, stories into two. And the first part of the two-part series, we're going to be listening to stories from children and youth in this region about COVID-19 impacts. So the first section of stories we're going to share today is about the worries and the feelings they have about COVID and how their lives were affected. Our first lockdown happened last year in March and it was there for a few months where we couldn't go out and see friends and it was very strict. Malaysia has been implementing uh, different stages of lockdown and what we call MCO, which is Movement Control Order. So, um, you know, it started not being able to travel at all to um, only traveling within like 10 kilometers and there's a point of time where we can only travel within our state. First of all, COVID-19 was something that uh, I've never expected to actually happen in real life. We always seen like, uh, you know, some sort of pandemic or a virus attack on movies. And I never in my wildest dream expected it to happen in actual life. It's a new normal that a lot of people are getting used to, are still getting used to it. So it, may, it will have to take time, but I believe we will get there. It's mainly the lives that are at stake. It begins from a sense of people uh, not being able to see their families, people uh, dying out of this disease, uh, children not being able to see their parents, an overall change in the day-to-day -day lifestyle of everyone. I'm afraid that if I do contract it, how many others I would uh, make it contagious for. Before the pandemic, we were free, we can gather, we, we can celebrate and we, we can have a mass gathering and we can also have a crowd. But then with this uh, pandemic apparent, all those things are restricted. We cannot go out freely, we cannot travel out freely. I feel confused still, I think. Um, and sometimes I question why it's happening. I think it has really screwed my sleeping cycle and uh, you know, day-to-day -day activities that I would be doing because we were mostly at home sometimes and then when it's open, uh, 
so many offices were shut, schools were shut, so everything has changed. What really worries is, is, is my parents because they're aged and as everyone knows that this virus um, attacks severely to, to the people with, um, with more age. Initially I was a bit anxious and also it had a huge psychological impact. Um, but now with time and with more information coming on about COVID-19 and even the vaccinations, that are being rolled out. I think it's much better now. To get help and even to support other people, it was really, really, really restrictive. So people people were like, you know, we don't know whether the person sitting next to us or the person next to us is affected or not, right? So because of the situation, uh, people had to see each other in a very suspicious eye and in for the even for the protection of themselves. So it was kind of a period where we got time to think about how we spent our lives, like to uh, to see what our priorities should be. As an activist, I had to do a lot of work on ground, right? Because I am usually working with the vulnerable and marginalized communities as well, and they don't have internet access at all. They don't have the computers or devices. So um, what happens usually is that. Um, though that work um, has not been completely finished, but it, it's been limited. So my access to vulnerable and marginalized communities now have been limited because, of course, I want to save myself and sa save them as well from the virus because I never know if I'm if I'm contagious or not, right? I think the COVID-19 pandemic is uh, probably going to be one of the most influential events in probably the history of uh, many youths around um, the world. Because of the pandemic and the rising amount of cases, we had to go into online school instead of uh, on campus because the school doesn't want us to contract the virus. And I don't think these changes have really worked because online is definitely different from going to campus. Pandemic has changed schooling in, the, in, in a way that now schooling is online, everything is through the camera, Zoom, and, and you know, one of the other platforms. So I feel that it has changed our uh, our social life basically, how we, we see our friends, how we get to meet them, how we get to talk to them. Honestly, I feel that it has its ups and downs changes. So maybe on the good side, it has changed us to be more more efficient in a way that we are in class on time. But on the bad side, maybe we have a minimum communication ability. We can't really communicate with everybody that easily. The most um, significant impact has to be the big adjustment I had to make in terms of the new learning um, system that I, I had to adjust to. I was so used to face-to-face -to -face that um, coming from a perspective of a student, uh, going online was uh, something new. I had to take an exam online as well, so that has, I think, Going online for the first semester in a way has affected my performance as well. All the classes has now uh, been arranged to online teaching. That means I have to use Zoom or Microsoft Teams, whatever. That means, uh, in other words, I have no choice but stay at my dorm to study and to learn. You know, the greatest fear that we have is the possibility of get, uh, the COVID-19 outbreak through school because 
in school there's a lot of students uh, maybe a thousand students in one school and if COVID-19 outbreaks goes from this school there would be a catastrophic uh, you know, fear, uh, I mean, consequences and the spread of COVID-19 and with this fear the, the, the schooling has uh, you know, completely changed you know? and when the school was closed you know, the studies were done through virtual through Zoom and Google Meet uh, which is good but the experience that you get from school being there and the experience that you get from virtual is kind of different I would rather prefer you know, studying physically uh, staying in school rather than virtu uh, virtual for months and months the travel restrictions um, have affected me for the students where I got a scholarship for study overseas. And um, my course program, um, unfortunately, does not offer online classes or remote learning. So yeah, it's disappointing. Students who lack uh, household access to technology or electricity, they find it difficult to adapt to some of these changes. If there's a lockdown, all education has been shifted online and I think that would have been difficult for both parents and the children as well. Going into university, meeting my friends and uh, listening to lectures, all of them have shifted online now. For me, of course, it has uh, reduced the time that I spend a lot on road. Uh, because, for example, when I go to university earlier, I used to spend like two hours on the road in the morning and two hours when I come back home by bus. For me, they completely changed to the online system. And yes, somehow it is working, but not for all the courses, I would say. And I feel like online is like you don't take it so seriously. What worries me most about it is job opportunities that that worries me the most about you know going to keep our source of income steady how are we going to continue to take care of ourselves and the people around us i worry hugely on the social uh, and economic impacts covid 19 virus will have a lot of marginalized communities have been affected in sri lanka and what worries me is just getting the virus. Right now we are so busy with uh, dealing with how to prevent and stop COVID-19 and we have not much assessed the, the impact of COVID-19 on day-to-day -day life. There is always a silver lining uh, when it comes to anything in life. So I think as a community and as a society, there is a lot of uh, positive lessons that we can take from how to deal with a crisis situation. As adults, it's especially critical to take on board some of the things that we've heard here about how um, children and youth have been feeling about the worry and stress and anxiety they've experienced, concern for their friends and family during this period of um, pandemic and some of the impacts that they've experienced through COVID and like for us as adults um, to think about this long term, think about the impacts on our children and youth in, in the long term and how are we going to respond to that? How are we going to put in place systems of support as we move forward, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we've also heard in the stories is how different the impacts and kind of the successes or, you know, the problems have been in the region and that every participant has their own story to tell, you know, and mm. we very often just generalize and put children and youth in this one big group, right, um, unwilling to hear about their experiences just because we think right. that perhaps they don't quite understand what's happening, but um, indeed this is not the case. It kind of also connects to some of the conversations we've been had having about vulnerability recently and about how we're so quick to um, homogenize, you know, uh, vulnerability and say, and when we talk about children and youth, something very common in disaster studies is to um, assume that everybody experiences marginalization or uh, oppression or Absolutely. what we sometimes call vulnerability um, in the same way. Right. And the reality is that that everyone experiences it differently. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just to kind of re relate to this, we've had the con conversation with Marla, if you remember, in season two. Um, and I think she reflected on all of this mm. so well. Right. And she also kind of uh, responded to this particular question, why we need to listen to children and hear them and really embrace um, what it is they're telling us rather than just kind of disregard it. Mm -hmm. And so in this next section of today's episode, the children and youth participants share with us how COVID impacted them physically and mentally. And they also discuss family, friends and societal support that they experienced during the pandemic. So let's listen to that. In mid-July, my mother actually um, contracted uh, the virus um, and then it was the toughest time during the whole uh, pandemic, you can say, uh, because of course it affected my men mental health, it affected my physical health um, as well because we live in the uh, same home, but also it affected uh, my work routine. It's really troublesome for your mental health if you're alone and if you're, uh, you know, going through everything by yourself only. So I was with my mother in, throughout this period, so she gave me an enormous support and care, and utmost care. And uh, there were my friends and family members as well in the meantime, so they gave me, you know, that we, we always try to check with us, with, with, with our new and dear ones about what is happening and how are the things going. The Wi-Fi is not always available, but even if it is, it doesn't mean that the speed can catch up how I can catch the emotions from my friend's face. I'm very frustrated about the things that I have to put on hold, um, the things that I can't do uh, bef uh, now, but I used to do before. We actually basically connected through social media and basically just through our phones and the calling platforms or the apps that we have available for us. Mentally, I, I think majority of people were depressed and stressed out during that period because their whole lifestyles changed. Uh, well, staying connected to my friends and family has never been a problem because 
I live with my family, so staying connected to them is not a problem because if at all it has increased the the the, the levels of connection, the physical proximities from each other has increased because we have we are all you know living under one roof. and there was a full lockdown uh, throughout uh, the country so um, we used to connect with uh, with um, social media and mostly through facebook and whatsapp staying uh, home uh, 24 by 7 is really uh, not good for our mental health because because you know uh, staying at home every time is it gets boring and it causes some mental stress to at some point i was like uh, almost feeling like okay this is the end of the world and and i have stopped even thinking of okay what can i do to uh for my career and studies further i felt like okay this is a stop and then and all and all the sudden all the gloom and the the depression come over during this pandemic i guess that it is so hard to live alone all by yourself um during the pandemic when it's a lockdown situation so i really need my friends and family like around me or just nearby so that i can go and say hi to them one of the things that have come out is uh, probably staying connected with more of my friends internationally or those who are interstate um just because we're all online online now um sometimes people are twiddling their thumb, thumbs at home so i've actually found it easier to catch up with people online to zoom people to call people um and especially those who are international and really catch up with them uh, usually i wouldn't probably have the opportunity to do so um usually i'd probably just be uh, uh catching with uh, catch up with people um for a drink or for some food um or to go somewhere more locally scheduling a zoom catch up is also a uh, very intentional as well too you don't get the kind of serendipitous um opportunity to chat and talk with friends or just even strangers on on the street or at university or in the hospital where uh where I go to university and so uh, that's also a little bit taxing that sense i think also mentally as well to being around a uh, family 24/7 uh, or close to 24/7 has also been a little bit difficult and challenging a lot of things um most they're fantastic but sometimes they can rub you the wrong way and so being around with them for 20 uh, 24 hours a day isn't uh, doesn't seem to be great sometimes the pandemic has kind of made me a little bit lazy so i haven't really been working out sometimes it can be a little bit lonely you know now that we are working from home sometimes it gets really uh stressful and you know hours are long at work so you know my family member will be there to like cook for me and that's really a huge uh, support from them i was a little bit depressed during the pandemic so I was looking for help. Well, of course, I wouldn't classify myself as a uh, victim of it. So, I at that time I did not message or I did not call for help to the counseling members. Instead, I randomly type an email and send it to an admin staff of my department. <laughs> and the title was I was depressed. this have affected me both physically and mentally physically it's visible like i'm growing in size fats are accumulating in me because i cannot go outside and then mentally i'll say like when i'm kept inside i get some kind of stress and all 
Ever since I started to work, I really couldn't manage to take care of my physical and mental health. I have always been busy with work, but during the lockdown, I have been able to give time to myself, do some workouts and yogas, and also give a proper rest. The fact that I don't get to meet friends and interact with people a lot like I used to, um, that I would say is a negative point. Other than that, uh, mentally so far, it has been overall good. I think it's both a cycle because of your mental pressure, um, you don't take care of your physical health and because of your physical health, you are affected mentally. I've seen that a lot of us are consciously trying to work out, meditate and take care of ourselves but at the same time, um, you know, we are in desperate situation and things are not in your um, control or as you planned. Luckily, because of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, I think we've all realized how important we are to each other and we are genuinely concerned about each other. So we are reaching out to our friends and family more. Well, in my case, um, I've received lots and lots and lots of support from my family and my friends and uh, we, we check up on each other, we call each other as much as we can. So that has helped a lot. Half of our population in Pakistan has gone into the depression and most of them are really, really frustrated. I don't have any sense of community uh, in ground and which is something I really miss and I hope that I will uh, get to have that again soon. The strongest support would be the prayers, the hope that, that uh, God will see us through. That's my strongest and main form of support. When you look at the initial stages of last year, it was mostly feelings of paranoia, fear, anger and uncertainty about the future. But little did we know, uh, one year down the line, a vaccine would be introduced. One year down the line, that prevention mechanisms would be introduced. Because during this pandemic, one cannot be selfish because you should help each other when you've got enough resources. So what we've heard now in the stories um, is that so many important things that perhaps we didn't consider before played a massive role. Um, during the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. We've heard so many children reflecting on the importance of social media and digital tech, something that lots of adults kind of um, perhaps didn't like, right? Children being involved and children and youth being yeah. involved with much um, previously. Um, what was also very interesting to hear is the their reflection on the lack of exercise and the connection of that um, to, to, to just their general well-being and kind of mental health issues that um, arise during the pandemic that perhaps, again, we didn't talk about much before at all. Yeah, it's so interesting um, uh, to think about the support mechanisms that children and youth rely upon during a pandemic. And, you know, everybody's education systems, well, most people's education systems have changed through lockdown. A lot of people have ended up um, in digital classes and, and using more and more technology that way. But also just the way that people have um, 
drawn support from their network of friends has been primarily digital. And as we hear from these stories, a lot of people are relying on social media to support their um, mental health. And so, um, again, this connects to like, what do adults need to hear from this? What do they need to understand about, um, you know, what, how they can better care for children and youth? And I think part of it is just recognizing the, the ways in which um, children and youth have coped during COVID and the fact that lots of mental health issues have arisen through, through the isolation, through the change to routine, and not everybody has been supported in the same way. And we've seen successes and we've seen failures across the region. And we need to learn from that, right? Indeed. And this is what we will be focusing on our, in our next episode, the second part of the Voices of Asia-Pacific Youth, uh, Children and Youth on COVID-19. So today we've been talking about the stories of impact. And in the next episode, we will focus on lessons. We will also look into the future and we will discuss what and why children and youth think adults and decision makers need to hear from them. Well, thank you all for being with us today. And before you go, a few quick reminders about how you can stay connected with the podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at DisastersDecon. The podcast is available on all the major platforms. Please download, share, and most importantly, subscribe. And if you haven't already done this, we really appreciate your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. This will help us to continue making content for you. You've been listening to Disasters Deconstructed. And don't forget, disasters are not natural. See you next time.